0: Have you ever thought about just packing up a few bags and hitting the road for an entire year? Well, that's exactly what my sister Brooke from Female Foodie did this past year, and today she's sharing with us her ups and a few downs, why they did it, what she learned, and some of her best tips and tricks for traveling and living out of a suitcase long-term with a husband, a dog, and a baby, and what her best advice is for someone wanting to do the same. Buckle up, because this episode is going to be an adventure. All right, you guys, I have a special treat for you. This is a first for us. This is our first repeat guest on the podcast. And I have my sister, Brooke. I have a hard time calling you Brooke. She's brookie to me, (laughs) but Brooke Ellison from Female Foodie. Say hi, Brooke.
1: Hi. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh my gosh. Thanks for coming back. Your episode is still one of the most talked about episodes. She came on on one of our first episodes to talk about becoming an Ironman and running the Ironman race. Um, And it's a very compelling, really fun episode. But I brought Brooke back because she's been living this crazy nomad lifestyle the last year. And so we're just going to talk all about it, about living on the road but first, I want to introduce you guys to her in case she's not someone that you know yet. Um, Brookie is a female foodie, so she blogs about the best places to eat. So she has a really great Instagram following, and then she also has tons of people that find her on Google. If they're Googling like where to eat in a major city, a lot of times her blog pops up and she's had a million and a half unique people come to her blog in the last. Year, is that right? Yes, so tell me, give me a little background on female foodie and how that started and what your main goal is with that site for sure. You run
1: for sure. Well, first of all, first of all, um, thank you so much for having me on the show, Corinne. I love Mint Arrow messages and I listen every week, so it's thank you, it's an honor to be here, but um. Yeah. Just the short and sweet explanation for female foodie is it's all about restaurants and eating out. It's for people like us who plan vacations and girls trips and weekends around where are we going to eat? So it just, yes, it started, um, when I was living in West Yellowstone and I was waiting tables there and this was a summertime gig that I did throughout undergrad and I decided I was going to try every restaurant in town. And so I started a blog. Um, and then it was super, very, very minimal effort. Just kind of like we've talked about how back in that day, people had family blogs, right? This was kind of that like, was a big thing. Yeah. This was kind of like a food journal for me. So it wasn't really intended to reach anyone, but you looked at it and mom looked at it, which was <laughs> so nice. Um, But then when I got on Instagram in, I think it was like the end of 2013, maybe beginning of 2014, Mm -hmm. it really shifted everything because that's when I I found a community and it was so fun to help people find places and
0: like-minded people who are obsessed with good food. Yes.
1: Like people that want a little bit more than, you know, Chili's or Taco Bell. So, um, Nothing wrong with either of those. I actually do really like the chips and salsa from Chili's, but, so good. um, but yeah, so that's kind of how it started and it's grown and evolved. And like Corinne said, I put a big emphasis on, um, providing value on the internet. So I, my team and I try to put together different collections of guideposts in different cities. So some of the ones you might see are, you know, 15 best restaurants in Salt Lake City, which is where a lot of our content is because that's where I started Female Foodie. Or mm-hmm. we do have an ice cream post, like best ice cream in Orange County or best restaurants in New York City. So we try to give people options, but also give them like um, a consolidated list of favorites in different cities. And um, my kind of like impossible goal or dream with Female Foodie is to have just a very robust presence in all major metropolitan cities across the country so that when people are, you know, figuring out where to eat that weekend, or if they're in a new city, they don't have any excuse, you know, to not find a great place to eat. That's local and delicious and that they're going to leave and feel like, wow, that was in- incredible food because I know that, you- you know, since we grew up in the same family, like we have a lot of those memories. We have memories of eating at, you know, I remember eating at Corky's when we went to the Mm. Liberty, was it the Liberty Bowl as a family, you know, or, um, you know, in Salt Lake City, we went to Hires and Rio Grande all the time. So I think that, you know, food is a really great opportunity for people to create memories and of course eat delicious food.
0: So fun. So, okay. I want to get into our topic and I have to tell everyone else listening, Brooke already knows this, but I just kept having a strong feeling that I needed to bring Brooke on here to talk about this crazy journey she's been on the last year of living out of a suitcase and living in a different city every month over the past year. And so let's start out with where that idea even came from. Was that your idea? Was it Cody's idea? Where and how did that even begin?
1: Yeah. So Cody and I, at this point, we've been married about four years now. And the idea honestly has come to us in different waves throughout the years. And then we kind of were on the same page when we decided to pull the trigger a year ago. So the first idea I ever had was actually before we had a baby, before we had George, And when Cody and I were first married, so this would have been about three or four years ago. And this is truthfully, this is still a dream of mine. I would love to do this. But I got this idea of doing, creating a book called The Best Plate in Every State. And I love that. I wanted to do something like this crazy ultimate road trip, which would be, you know, a four month deal or something like that, where we'd literally go to every state do a bunch of research and then try the top three to five restaurants and determine, you know, what was the best plate in every Mm -hmm. state. And so that was kind of a dream that I came up with a few years ago, but it never really worked out two years into our marriage. After living in Salt Lake city, we moved to Austin, Texas, and that's where our son was born. And we were there for a year. And just to give people some context, Cody works remotely. He's worked for a small business for five years now. And so that is a big part of this whole story. It's what has allowed us to, you know, move from Utah to Texas and take this trip. So we were in Texas and we spent a year there and Cody kind of randomly came up with the idea then Hmm. he came up with the idea actually of living in an RV. Oh, wow. Yeah. So the idea was let's live in an RV and let's kind of travel around. And so when he brought that idea to me, kind of as a whole new idea, Mm -hmm. I was really excited about it. I have a hard time saying no to like crazy things like that. Adventure. Yeah. So we honestly, we, we kind of talked about it a lot, but then in truth we decided, I, I think that we were kind of worried about just taking a leap like that and what other people would think. And we felt a little irresponsible so there were a lot of different like revisions but what ultimately ended up happening was I actually think that Cody went golfing with a good friend and he was kind of saying, "Yeah, we've thought about this idea but we're not sure if it if it's going to be like responsible or smart." And his friend looked at him and said something like, "If I had a chance like this, like if I could work anywhere in the world, And I had one kid and we had the flexibility. He's like, I would die for that chance. So many people would. Yeah. And so I think it was a big mindset shift for us from looking at this as like, oh, should we do this? This is kind of, it seems irresponsible. It seems like the prototypical millennial move, which we, I think both Cody and I, like we don't want to be those millennials that you know seem like entitled and irresponsible we want like it's really important for us to be you know contributing citizens and be responsible and so that was like kind of i think an insecurity that we both had had but when he had this conversation with his friend and he shared it with me i think for both of us something just kind of clicked and we were at a pivotal time because we were approaching a the end of our year lease on the rental that we had in austin and we hated this rental house. It was just like it was in a really great neighborhood, but didn't it have concrete floors or something? Yeah, it had concrete floors, and it was just super funky. And like with a baby, it was honestly just like the not ideal. It there, the more we found things that we hated about it, but it was in a great neighborhood anyway. So we just we realized that okay, we're not going to live in this house for sure. So we're either going to stay in Austin for another year, mm-hmm. or we're going to travel and. So those were kind of the main options that we had narrowed it down. And part of the appeal with Austin was like, well, let's find a better rental. Let's save some money this year. Let's kind of establish our family. Because at the time that our lease was ending, George was three months old. And also, too, to give more context, George was a very colicky baby. Yeah. I totally was planning on having kids like Corinne's, who have just all seemingly (laughs) been like angels, like super happy, super easy babies. I'll let you speak for yourself, Corinne. They have been easy babies and extra hard toddlers. So they
0: make up for it when they turn about 18 months. But that is true. I've had very, very easy babies.
1: Yeah. I think I just kind of watched that and thought that, oh, my kids will be like Corinne's. And George has always been a really good sleeper, which is a huge blessing. But he cried a lot, probably up until like two or three months. He was just very colicky Mm -hmm. and very fussy. So... Um, we were at this crossroads, and like I said, Cody had that conversation with his friend when we were visiting in Utah, and I think it just kind of clicked, and, and then we decided, like, let's do this. We made some modifications, so I talked Cody out of the RV idea because I was picturing us, like, showing up to a city at, like, 10 p.m., and then, like, something breaking, and then, you know, hit, like, <laughs> put, feeling stress in our marriage of yeah you know, trying to operate like our home and driving it on wheels or something if something were to go wrong with our car. Um, we talked about even like, you know, would we buy a truck? Would we buy an RV? We talked about all these options. And then another really big concern was just, even though Cody has this awesome, flexible job, we wanted to make sure that he always had a really good internet connection because, He is so dedicated to his job and it's really important that he can just show up, that he's not like, oh, sorry, you guys, I can't get on this meeting because my Wi-Fi is terrible. So that's kind of how this crazy idea came about. And it just was a combination of both of us kind of thinking about it and then pushing it away and then coming to this point where we kind of came together on the decision almost separately, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, totally. So then where did it start?
1: So what we did is we, we we packed all our stuff in storage and we went and visited family in Utah and I flew with George up to Utah and Cody drove the car mm-hmm. from Texas. And we started our journey in Montana and the whole purpose of this journey was not just to have like a vacation as a family or to see the world, which are obviously, you know, parts of it but the main purpose we decided to do this was to grow content for female foodie to find more places to share with our audience and to bring people along for the story. But we didn't have that intention in mind for our first destination, which was Montana. And it was purely just selfish. We both love Montana so much. And I mean, for me, it's been a place that I've loved going to for years and I've kind of converted Cody into loving Montana. And for those who haven't been, it's just, it's gorgeous. It's very, it's what, it's exactly what you picture. Not a lot of people, a lot of wildlife. Mm-hmm. So it's just a very beautiful, calm place to go. So we started our journey there, but we didn't do a lot in terms of like, you know, restaurant coverage. We just kind of got our bearings a little bit. So we were there for a month. And then after that, we, Do you want me to just kind of lay out the itinerary over the last year?
0: Sure. Yeah. I think it'd be fun to hear not only where you guys went, but just what it was like. I want to know what that was like with a baby and transitioning from place to place, where you guys stayed. I mean, I know where you stayed, but just sharing some of those details. For sure.
1: So in Montana, we actually started out in this super picturesque little cabin in Bozeman. And we actually had to scramble and find a new Airbnb just a few days after staying there because I think it was the second night I was there. I woke up in the middle of the night and heard mice running all (laughs) around. And it wasn't just like a, what was that? It was so evident that it was mice, mice, like that there were mice just crawling everywhere. And this was only a one bedroom Mm -hmm. place. And so George was sleeping on the kitchen ground in his pack and play and then I found like mouse poop in the kitchen. And I was just like, my mama bear self came out and I was like, we are not staying here. And
0: yeah. I don't know.
1: It's just, I had a pretty sleepless night. So we went to, a, we found a better Airbnb and made some transitions. Thankfully, our host was really kind to us when we told her we found mouse poop and heard mice all night long. But um, so we transitioned, we, and we were in Livingston for, I think like three or three and a half weeks. So That was such a fun month. It was just all about taking it easy. I invested in a new camera and kind of experimented with it. Part of this trip too was doing some video. I'm, I just started a YouTube channel. So we kind of were trying to research and figure out, you know, what kind of content we would want to share. But Montana was all about just relaxation and kind of planning our trip. So what we did after that is we drove from Montana to Seattle. Mm-hmm. Which was kind of a long drive. And <laughs> I'm just kind of like a wuss when it comes to driving long distances with my baby. I think because I have PTSD from the crying days of just, you know, getting in the car with the baby and hearing the crying. And anyway, so it actually was okay. We drove, we spent the night in Spokane, which is so funny because that's where we lived as a family for what, a couple years?
0: Yes. And I still remember you sending the picture of the house Yep, and I think you even like snuck in the backyard or something.
1: <laughs> I didn't sneak in the backyard, but I like, l- I put my hand over the fence and I- over the fence to take a picture. Yeah. yeah that was funny. That was kind of fun to see like the last house we lived in before we moved to Utah, which is where we grew up. So yeah, um, we made it to Seattle. Seattle was such a cool month. We got to see family a lot. That's where our grandma and our uncle and aunt live and their kids. So we got to see family and spend Thanksgiving with them, which Mm -hmm. was new for me. I love spending Thanksgiving with our family, but it still felt like family. It was so fun. And
0: yeah, that's really cool that you got to do that.
1: Yeah. I just, I love the Pacific Northwest. It was just so cool to be surrounded by water. We spent a ton of time in Pike Place Market and the surrounding neighborhoods. Cody you know, rented a bike. We only have one car throughout this whole journey. So Cody got to know the city by riding a bike. And then after that month of, this would have been November, we drove three hours South, which seemed so much easier than the previous drive. We drove down to Portland, Mm -hmm. spent a month in Portland. We spent three weeks there actually, because we were home for Christmas for the last part of the month.
0: So let's go back to something you just brought up. So you said Cody was riding this bike. You guys had one car. What was that like as far as sharing the car, being in a brand new place? I'm imagining when you get somewhere new, you you don't even know where the grocery store is. You don't have a pediatrician. You don't have anyone to do uh, your hair. What are those things like? Um, being out of the home element. Every single month, you're starting over again. What's that like?
1: Some of the things either get neglected or i suffer the consequences for example like my hair i got my hair cut mm. this summer we were in europe and i got my hair cut in rome and it still looks horrible because but i No it
0: doesn't.
1: Well, it it's doesn't just it's horrible. not let's just say it's not the best haircut i've ever had. Okay, fair. Because i found this girl on google. So there are definitely things like that where it's just kind of a part of not being in your comfort zone, being in your community with George. I mean, this is definitely a time, you know, we left on this trip when he was three months. So I had to make so many phone calls to find pediatricians in these different cities to take him in for his monthly, you know, wellness checks. Um, Mm -hmm. but that wasn't too bad. I relied a lot on reviews and that always was okay. It was a little bit of a pain to transfer medical records, but, um, The hardest, I would say my least favorite thing about going from these places, from place to place, the first like two days is always the hardest.
0: Really? Why is that?
1: It's always the hardest because it's, it's change. And I think for all of us in whatever capacity, change is always uncomfortable. So for example, picture you're arriving to our Airbnb in Seattle We have two bedrooms at this place, which is super nice. But like, I remember specifically at this place, we didn't have anywhere to put our clothes. There were like two tiny drawers. So we have like a suitcase full of clothes. So that's a pain point. Like, okay, we don't want to like be pulling everything out of our suitcase. Where are we going to, in some kind of tidy fashion, like put our clothes? Or at this point in the journey, we had our dog and it was kind of a cramped space. So it was like, where are we going to keep Bo's kennel? How are we going to manage the dog hair? Just little things like that. Or with George, when we stayed in LA, we also had to switch Airbnbs there because our first place just was so filthy. And so we had to like make this little makeshift bedroom for George down. It was like kind of a narrow kitchen and we put up like a curtain so that he had kind of his own space. But that was like super stressful in the moment. We tried to share a room with him and it just like didn't work because that's <laughs> a light sleeper. So there are yeah. those kind of things where you get to a new place or for Cody, it's always the wifi. If the wifi is great where we're staying, it's awesome. But we have stayed at places where he can't really take a good video call. And so then he's like, okay, well now I have to figure out where I'm going to work for the next month. Is it going to be at a Starbucks nearby? How's the wifi at this coffee shop that's nearby? Yeah. So It's all those little transitions, you know, making sure that George's room is dark enough and that it's a good place for nap time. And so all those little things that they sound kind of silly, but every time you change to a new place, it's basically like figuring out your new routine. But once we got past the first day or two, we felt like, okay, we're in a routine. So I would say those are the big challenges for just changing from place to place.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And you guys are both really active people. I know Cody likes to run and you like to run. Is that kind of, I would imagine too, that's another challenge in a new area. How did you guys stay active?
1: Yeah, I'm actually really grateful for that challenge because Cody and I were just talking about how we have been able to run in the most beautiful, diverse places. Um, And I think, running, or if you're not a runner, like going on a walk is the best way to get to know a city. Just running was kind of a challenge in a way. For example, where we stayed in Seattle, we were actually in West Seattle and it was a very industrial area. So at first glance, it was like, we are, where are we going to run? There's just like the waters right there. And there's it, it just wasn't like a, oh, there's a park across the street. It didn't mm-hmm. seem like there would be anywhere to run. But after we did a little bit of research, we actually figured out oh, there's actually a beach a mile away. So if we run under this bridge and just, if we kind of could get to this one area, we had a gorgeous place to run. So Cody is always kind of nerdy about finding running routes. So I usually just let him go on the first run and then I'm like, okay, where should I go?
0: Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. He likes to do research and get on apps and find good places to run. But it's a challenge because, and and physical fitness has been a challenge throughout this whole journey because especially when you're in a cool place, you kind of go into vacation mode, or at least that's the temptation of like, nah, I'm just here for a little bit. So, and you guys
0: are there to eat all the best things, right? So that's even more challenging. It's not like you're in a routine where you're just eating salads and healthy things that at home, I would imagine. Yep. How much are you eating out per day? or per whatever, when you're on the road like this for these trips?
1: Yeah. On average once a day, but if we're in a place for just a week or just two weeks, maybe twice a day, because there's less time to cover places. But I I think that, you know, Cody and I both have experienced weight gain, (laughs) weight (laughs) loss um, with this female foodie journey. And so we, I think when we started out this trip, we both decided like we are working out every day and for me, that's also been like, if I slept too long to go on around the morning, it means like I have to do some weird little makeshift workout, you know, at home yeah. in a really crammed space. Yeah. But running has been a really cool opportunity for us, but it's always a challenge. It's always like, Hey, where are we going to work out? Because it's already hard. It's hard enough to work out as it is. It's hard enough yes. to put your clothes on and be like, I'm going to go on run. I'm going to go on a walk. I'm going to do this. So that's definitely been an, something we've had to adjust to every time.
0: Okay. I want to ask you about friendships and community. Cause I know you mentioned that recently on Instagram stories you were talking about. That was, that's been a challenge for you. So what have you done as you've traveled to try to have some of those things in your life? And then what has worked for you and what advice do you have for anyone that's finds themselves in that type of a situation where they're
1: moving around a lot? Mm -hmm. Well, I will just say to be transparent. Yeah, it has been a challenge. It's been a challenge to feel like we don't have consistent like friendships outside of family that we can, yeah. people that we can bond with or grow deep relationships with. So things we have done. First of all, um, I just feel like technology is such a blessing. So we totally tr- have tried, you know, to stay in contact at least with family. Which is easy. That doesn't feel like an effort. It just feels natural and easy. And I would assume for most people it would be that way. Mm-hmm. But um, church has definitely been a way to make us feel like we still have some form of a community. So we're members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and and it's really cool because no matter where you go, I mean, I have been able to go to church all over the world, and that has really helped us feel, I think, a sense of like belonging and community. And, you know, whether it was like in Rome this summer or in Seattle or in Los Angeles, we've been able to go to church anywhere and walk in and just feel so welcome. And we know why we're we're there and everyone else is always really kind to us. And I mean, even though sometimes... It it hasn't been convenient for us to make friends. People have invited us to be a part of their circle or to get to know them. I mean, when we were in Los Angeles, I remember this one girl came right up to me, and even though she knew we would only be in the ward for like three weeks, she invited me to go. I can't remember what they called it. It was like a play group type thing, "Mommy and Me." Yeah, Yeah, "Mommy and Me." And even though it was like really far away, we weren't able to make it to me. That was just such a kind gesture of like, we want you to be. You know, we want you to feel at home while you're here. So church has been really huge. And then we've really tried to just talk to people and get to know them. I think we could have been a lot better, but we didn't like have people over for dinner necessarily, but with our hosts, for example, we always tried to get to know them. And um, we had favorite restaurants or like ice cream shops that we liked to go to. So we would, you know, just try to get to know those people on a more personal level, but it's definitely something that has been a challenge, just feeling growth, deep growth in relationships.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Do you have some favorite memories of places that you've been and the people that will be memorable to you?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, Our host in Montana, ironically, (laughs) the lady who hosted us, who had mice in her cabin, Mm -hmm. she is still someone that I keep in touch with. She just was so down to earth and kind. She loved George. She'll still send me pictures of, you know, the weather up there or whatnot. So she's just someone that, like, was super easy to get along with. I could have honestly just she invited us into her home, her home a couple times because it was on the same property. And we said That's good- so, nice. yeah, we said goodbye to her before we left. So I really loved her. And then, in, We spent a month in Bologna, Italy, and there was like a lady there who spoke hardly any English and I don't speak Italian, but I just felt really bonded to her. We went in almost every day because it was so hot and we just like, I would say hi to her. We just kind of formed a little relationship, you know, seeing each other on a regular basis. And that was a cool experience too, because even though we didn't, we weren't able to really communicate, I just felt... I just felt a connection with her and when when we told her we were leaving you could see that she was trying to explain you know I'll miss you you know I I appreciate you so
0: yeah you felt loved
1: yeah definitely so those are just a couple random ones that have come to mind but that's really cool
0: to ask you kind of a tactical question. What are some of the, you mentioned a second ago that Cody likes to use apps when you travel to find running routes. What are some of the tools and apps or tricks or anything that you guys have used as you've traveled and been on this long journey to kind of find your way in each new place?
1: Great question. Yeah. So just in case people are wondering the running app, I think Cody uses is Strava. I think that that's where Strava, yeah. how do you spell it? S T R A V A. Okay. I think that's where he finds some of his routes and he'll just find blog posts too. But if people are curious, that's the resource that he uses there. Or we like all trails. If we're hiking, we don't hike as mm-hmm. much though, now that we have a baby, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, logistically first and foremost, Airbnb has been the easiest way to find lodging and housing.
0: And you have an awesome YouTube on how to find the best Airbnbs. Yeah. I'll put that in the show notes. I love that. Ugh. I did want to ask you though, have you ever used anything else like VRBO or there's other random resources like that? Have you ever used anything else? Or have you guys strictly stayed with Airbnb?
1: We've been pretty loyal to Airbnb. We've done hotels and Airbnbs and that's about it. Mm-hmm. I've like gotten gotten onto um, other platforms, but One of the biggest reasons why we use Airbnb is because they are really good at providing a way to give discounts for weekly or monthly stays.
0: Right. That makes sense. I don't
1: feel like the other platforms are as good of doing. I know that there are ways to kind of, you know, budget and figure out a place that's good for you. But so for example, like if when we were looking at Seattle, we set our dates to an entire month and where you would normally pay, you know, X amount per night, Airbnb will ask a host like, Hey, would you be willing to offer a discount if someone wants to stay a whole month or because even that's less cleaning, less maintenance for them? Yep. So th- it's just really, really convenient for longer term stays on there. But yeah, there's, that's something we've constantly used. Sometimes we'll stay in a hotel if it's more convenient, but We always need two bedrooms because we like George to have his own room. And so Mm -hmm. it's impossible almost to find a hotel with two bedrooms, but you can almost always find an Airbnb with two bedrooms. So Airbnb has been really helpful. Um, And then just with travel, um, if we're not driving, we use Google flights a lot. That's been the best way to find the best fares. So
0: explain to me what your, how that works with Google Flights?
1: So Google Flights is awesome. It, I mean, I feel like we've, we've been using Kayak for years, right? Where you'll put mm-hmm. in like where you're starting, where you're going, and it'll spit out these deals. But the cool thing is that Google, I, from what I understand, I don't think they're getting a kick from any of their rates. I think they're just trying to do what Google does, which is serve the best content they can so that they can be the best search engine in the world. So. If you get on Google Flights, you basically can put, okay, I'm, I want a round trip starting here, going to this location, and they will pull up not only all the rates and all the different airlines, but you can also see on a calendar like the different prices per day. Mm-hmm. So awesome! So we try to be loyal to Delta because we have credit cards where we can earn points with Delta, but sometimes the difference in cost is huge, and so and so we've really enjoyed using Google Flights.
0: That's cool. And did you say the other day you can even set up an alert?
1: Yes, you can set up alerts. So for example, if you want to go to like Hawaii or New York or wherever you can turn on, I think it's just like a button that you push in the, when you're completing the search so that Google will send you emails and they'll tell you too like, oh, this price is higher than it's normally projected or it's lower or they'll kind of share like, info like that. That's super helpful.
0: Cool. Do you think there's a day and time that flights are cheaper or is that a myth?
1: I mean, I'm kind of superstitious, which comes from mom. Yes. I always like to tease her because she has these things that she decides and then she'll stick with them for her whole life. Forever. Totally. But one of them, something that I learned from mom is the flights are always the cheapest on a Tuesday or Wednesday.
0: That's what I think too. But I, after all the traveling you guys have done, I was curious if you feel still feel like that's true.
1: I think it is true. I don't think it's just, I mean, I'm kind of teasing about the remark about mom, but I don't think it's just a myth. Like when you get on, especially Google flights, the flight rates traditionally are always cheaper. Monday, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and sometimes on Monday or Friday, because if you think about it, when are people traveling? It's on a weekend. That's totally logistically is the most convenient time for families or single people to travel.
0: Well, and even for searching flights, I start thinking about where do I want to go or whatever on my free time on the weekend. A lot of times I'll think about it'll be a Saturday or Sunday night and I'll start thinking about those things. And that's when I'm searching so I think it is better, right? If you wait till like a Tuesday or Wednesday to even book your flights.
1: Yeah. All, yeah. This, it's a little confusing what I said, but yeah, it's not only cheaper to fly like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, but also to be like booking and looking. So, right. Yeah.
0: Right. Do you have any other travel tips for us that we didn't cover that you feel like this is something I've learned as an expert?
1: Yeah, road. yeah. I mean, gosh, we learned so much. I think one other thing we've learned is that you're going to pay peak prices if you're going to places during their peak time. So for example, we had a, we got a really great deal staying in park city for a month this spring because it was the off season. Like I'm guessing we paid probably half of the rate that we normally would have. And in contrast,
0: you guys stayed in a really cool place wow, too.
1: Such a cool place. It was like a block away from main street it was so affordable, but it was the off season. So no one wants to go to park city when they can't hike and they can't ski, but we still had a blast. So, you know, if you're wanting to save money, you could look into going to a place when it's not the high season. And just to contrast that, we went to Phoenix when it was spring training for baseball and it was so hard. Like I can't even believe still to this day that we found a place to stay. Um, Car rentals were just insanely expensive. I finally, I think I had like three different cars that I got on Turo, which I'll have to talk about Turo in a second, but I kind of had to like hack this like (laughs) unique reservation of like two or three different cars so we could have our whole different, you know, our whole trip covered. So I was like, wow, I, I'm never coming to Phoenix during spring training again. Or if I do, like, I need to plan a full year in advance. Wow. Because we spent so much money. So, you know, going to New York over New Year's Eve. Yeah, probably not the cheapest time <laughs> to go there. And just Turo is another great way we've saved money. And this is thanks to Corinne. I feel like you should explain Turo.
0: Turo is awesome. We, I mean, Turo is essentially car rentals in Airbnb fashion so you're renting people's personally owned cars which is really nice because with a traditional rental car company it's always like you'll get a VW Jetta or similar and you have no idea what you're actually (laughs) going to get yep and or how old the car is or if it's been smoked in or anything little details like that whereas Turo You'll have reviews and you can see exactly what the interior and exterior looks like. Other people have reviewed the car. Typically, you can see what other people have said about even the person renting the car to you. It can be really, really awesome. And we've had mostly really great experiences. We've had a couple awkward experiences. You have to, I I have found that the number one thing you have to pay attention to is what the pickup and drop off service is like. Yep. And some Turo people make it super easy for you where you just they have it parked in short-term parking, you walk right out, there's like a code that you plug into a little lockbox or something and you unlock the car and you go. And there are other times where I I mean, the worst experience I had was one of my first Turo experiences where I didn't understand how to read the reviews and and what I what to even look for. And this guy required me to jump in the car with him and drive 15 minutes to his workplace where his other car was waiting. And it was so awkward. So I'm just sitting there making conversation with the stranger for 15 minutes. And for some people, maybe that's not a big deal. But for a single woman, I felt really weird about that. And then on the way back, too, I had to go pick him up at his workplace and ride in the car with him for 15 minutes. So that so you have to watch out for that, but for the most part, you can find out about those things in the reviews. Mm -hmm. And we've had great luck with it for the most part. So has that been the case for you guys too?
1: Yeah, I would say the same thing. Just the variability of the pickup and drop off is kind of the kicker because it's not like Hertz where you're like, oh, I'm at LAX, I'm just gonna like waltz into Hertz. Hertz. Some people will bring your car to the airport, but sometimes it costs a ton of money. So. We're actually flying to Texas tomorrow, and what we will do is we will take a lift to our Turo pickup location. That's going to be the easiest thing for us, and then we're going to have this cool. Turo car for two weeks. That's and nice. then we'll just return it. I think for us, we really liked it because it's cheaper. Yes. Than for the most part, it's usually cheaper than Hertz, this traditional like car rental company. So for us, we've rented cars for like two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. And that can add up so fast.
0: Yes, it can get really expensive, especially for us having three kids and a bunch of luggage. When we go somewhere, you know, with a traditional rental car company, it can be like $150 a day, or you can find a Turo that they'll rent you a minivan or an SUV or something for $40 a day. Yes. So you really can save a ton of money and then you just know exactly what you're getting into. And if we're being completely transparent, Neil's favorite part of Turo is that he can pick, you know, fun cars. That's a big deal to him. I couldn't care less, but that's, that's his thing. He's a car guy, so he enjoys that on some of the trips we've gone on. He's picked cars that he thinks are fun to try out. You know, we're probably not going to buy a BMW ever, but he wanted to drive a BMW on the trip that we took just the two of us to Hawaii this summer and he thought that was really fun. Yeah. So yeah, there's tons of variety on there. It's really cool. Yeah. And even if you're like thinking about buying a certain car and you're thinking, how would this work out for our family? You could drive it around on a trip for a week and see if you like a Dodge caravan or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So
1: yeah, no, we love true, but yeah, that's definitely been like a huge help for us during our travels.
0: So another question I have for you, if someone is going to a city and they want to know what would Brooke eat here? First of all, how do they find that on your blog? And then second of all, if it happens to be a city you haven't covered, what are your best tips for finding a good meal?
1: Yes. I love this question. So first and foremost, <laughs> go to female foodie.com. Um, And you can either just like search in the city or we have buttons. But the easiest way is going to be just to type in the city that you're in, in our search bar, if there's not like a button right there on our homepage. But if you're in a random location or perhaps a city that we don't have as good of coverage for yet, there's a Mm -hmm. few different things I recommend. First of all, the best way you're going to find great restaurant recommendations is word of mouth. Sometimes these recommendations aren't always perfect, but I have found so much success asking Airbnb hosts. I like, Mm, that's a good idea. Yeah. I'll shoot them a message, um, and say, Hey, where do you like to eat? The one time this didn't work out for us was in, we were in Verona and our host told us to go somewhere. And I actually, when you give your host private feedback, when you like leave a review, I even sent him a message. I'm like, you should never tell anyone to go eat there again. (laughs) <laughs> I know that it, I was so like, it was our only bad meal we had in Italy but um I mean most like 9 times out of 10 your host has either lived in that neighborhood or
0: mm-hmm.
1: they live close by so asking an Airbnb host and while I'm on the Airbnb topic again too you can also there's a way to search on the app like your host I won't get too into the details but your host has like a guidebook but then you can also just get on the app and select, like type in the city and type it, click on restaurants and Airbnb will show recommendations listed in order of popularity. So. Oh,
0: no way. I didn't know that. Yeah.
1: So for example, like if you put in, you know, Los Angeles and clicked restaurants, the top results, if there are hundreds of people recommending that place, chances are it's probably going to be pretty good. Um, and I prefer to find good restaurants doing that versus like Yelp because, um, and I think Yelp can be helpful. Like I think Yelp is better than nothing, but the problem with Yelp is that restaurants are paying money on there to, you know, I, I don't think they can pay to have better ratings, but they're paying for their restaurants to appear higher. They can offer free appetizers with a Yelp check-in or a dessert or whatever. So that kind of sway yes. people's opinions. Then
0: they well, we had a bad experience once with that. We There's a restaurant in our like the South Orange County area. And when you sort by highest ratings, this one comes up first. And I don't know what they've done to incentivize people to leave positive like five star reviews, but this place is terrible. And we went there and we were like, "What in the world? How did we get duped? Like we were just so confused, and we talked to another friend who we go to church with, and they were like, oh, same thing happened to us. We went there expecting the moon and the stars, and it was terrible. And, I mean, we would have been better off going to McDonald's. It was just not good food. And I think you were the one that explained to me, oh, some of these places will highly incentivize, like, college students or whatever with free things or free appetizer or free, like, buy one, get one free meal or something if you show Mm -hmm. them your Yelp review. Yeah. Which is crazy.
1: Yeah. But I mean, Yelp's a business, so they have to make their money somehow. So mm-hmm. Yelp is better than nothing, but I don't always trust it. I actually trust Google reviews more than Yelp mm. most of the time. <laughs> An- another good way too, if you're really trying to figure out like, is this place worth eating out or is it good? Cross check between both. Like if a place has four and a half stars on both Google and Yelp, it's probably going to be good. But yeah ask your cab driver or your lift driver, ask your Airbnb host. And then once you find a good restaurant, I love mm. doing this. I love love doing this. Once you're at a good restaurant and if you have like a host or a server that you can tell is really passionate about food, ask them. Say, "Hey, we're only here for a couple days. Where else should we eat?"
0: Some people oh, are such a good idea. Yeah,
1: some people are a little <laughs> lame about it and they'll say like, "We'll just eat here" or <laughs>
0: And you're like, obviously we are not gonna eat every meal here.
1: Exactly. Most people though, like if you have a someone helping you out that loves food, which most people that are in a restaurant are really excited about food, they'll tell you, oh, go try this place, go try this place. Or even better, if you have a specific question, like, what is who's who makes the best pizza in town? They're gonna at okay. least rattle off a couple places. So those are a couple ideas. Um for finding. Love that idea.
0: And tell us too, I already know the answer to this, but what do you, what's the magic question that you ask to make sure that you order the best thing at that restaurant?
1: I always ask if there's one thing I can eat here, if I can only eat here once in my life, what should I try? Or sometimes if I don't want to sound as dramatic, I'll ask (laughs) what's the most like signature or popular dish? Because I've worked at so many restaurants over the years, several. And I'm here to tell you that even if you're going to the best restaurant in the city that you're in, not everything is created equally on the menu. There's just going to be your like home run dishes. And then there's going to be, you know, potentially other really good things, but I hate it when a server says everything's good. That is not true. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, everything might be good, but there's always going to be like a shining star or two or three on the menu. Totally.
0: Like at Cetabello, It would be such a tragedy for someone to walk out without trying the pizza if they walked in and had just a salad. The salads are good, but you're you're completely missing the point if you don't eat the pizza. Exactly. Okay. Love it. Tell me, I've just got a couple questions left for you. What's been your biggest challenge that you've had to overcome being on the road for a year? Wow. That
1: is my biggest challenge. I would just say the biggest challenge is something that we've developed into a strength, which is being like resilient and being able to roll with the punches mm-hmm. and being able to adapt. Um, there's just a lot of... I think that when you hear about a trip like this, it seems very glamorous. And in some ways it is. It is so cool that we've been able to go to these places and eat... Foods from the best places, you know, in the world, or at least in the country, I should say. But it's really hard to figure out like, where's my baby going to sleep for the next few weeks? This is such a new setup or, okay, we're leaving, we're going to Europe. What are we going to do with our dog? You know, oh, we're going on this trip. Where logistically are we going to put all our stuff or, oh, we're headed to, Italy and I have one suitcase for myself and my baby like what am I going to put in that suitcase we want to go to church on Sunday but we don't have a car how are we going to get there without spending a hundred dollars for a taxi fare you know what are we going to do to Mm. how are we going to figure out the public transport system in a foreign country so just I think being resilient and adaptable to change and not just as individuals, but as parents and as a couple too, (laughs) Mm -hmm. because there have been times where Cody's great with change and I'm kind of a little resistant to it or vice versa, where one of us kind of has to pick the other up when we're feeling that just not laziness, but that desire for just comfort and familiarity.
0: Right. That makes a lot of sense. So would you do it again? Looking back, are you glad that you guys have done this
1: more than a year on the road? I'm so grateful that we did it and I would do it again. It's just been it's been something that we've learned so many things from. We've experienced so many cultures and we've gotten to know so many different places. And one of the reasons we decided to do this trip is we we just don't know that we'll ever have the chance to do it again. Right. And you know, I think it was actually, was it Satema's interview on your podcast where he talks about like living life to the fullest as if. I'm sure. Yeah. Satema's amazing. Um, but I know, I know that, I think it was in his interview where he talks about like, you know, life is a gift and we take it for granted so much. And so I, yes. for in this trip, we kind of realized like, yeah, Cody has this awesome online job and I'm able to blog from anywhere, but May, I mean, he might get another job in the next couple years and we might be, you know, in the same location for the next third years. So I think that for us, like, I don't have regrets and I would do it again in that regard. I feel like we really did something that was uncomfortable. We capitalized on an opportunity that we had. And not only did we, we didn't just go through the motions of the trip, but we tried really hard to like experience the places we were in and do things because there were definitely days where it would be like three in the afternoon and Cody would be working. And I'd kind of look at George and be like, I just want to, I just want to like sit here and, you know, even when we would be like in Paris or, you know, somewhere like really cool, but I'd be like, I'm kind of tired, but... I just need normal life, yeah, but yeah, but we like really, really tried to be grateful we we saw how lucky we were, and we tried to be grateful and so, yes, looking back, I would a thousand percent do it again. I just feel like it really it really like strengthened our marriage and it helped build a part of our foundation as a family.
0: I love that, okay. So if there's one message that people walk away from this interview, remembering what do you want that one message to be?
1: To not worry about what other people think and to do things that are out of your comfort zone. One of the reasons that I discussed that we were a little worried about this trip and, and one of the challenges throughout the trip was when people asked us, what are you up to? especially people that were like friends and family that didn't really keep up with us on social media, you know, Mm -hmm. well, what are you up to? And I think that some people would be just like, oh my gosh, this is this trip we're taking and it's amazing. But Cody and I have definitely, I think felt a little insecure. We don't want to come off as like irresponsible, like I said, or just so self-serving, even though we really felt like this is what we were supposed to be doing over the last year and we felt like there would be so many great benefits but that's kind of been at least for, I'll speak for myself personally but that's been an insecurity is worrying about what other people would think mm-hmm. and then just you know having an, a three month old baby like when we left George was still pretty young and he was still like you know we knew that on this trip we we actually only intended to do it for a few months we knew that it put could potentially go longer, but I was really worried about like, well, what, like, where's our kid going to learn to walk and how are we going to, you know, go places in public with him? And Mm -hmm. there were all these things that I was worried about, but we kind of just like leaned into the discomfort. So those are my two things, just not living your life to please other people, but living your life to your full potential. And then just um, doing things that that challenge you and that get you out of that day-to-day comfort zone that you're in.
0: I love that. And you you guys are such great examples of that. And I especially love the point of not worrying about what other people think. I think that's super powerful and can apply to everyone. I mean, it definitely applies to me and our lifestyle too. I have to just not worry about what our family and our setup looks like to everybody else and just know that. We know that we're doing what we feel like God wants us to do as far as how we provide for our family, how we take care of our kids, where we live, what we're doing, all of those things. They just have to make sense to us and feel right and feel like for us, we just have to know that we're doing what we feel like God wants us to do. And then it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. But that's a hard lesson to learn. And I love that you have such a great
1: example
0: of living that. and going for it carpe diem right
1: thanks yes well and I think it's just it sounds silly it sounds like no it doesn't sound silly I mean but in my mind it's you know like oh this you know these these people have this opportunity and they almost didn't take it because they're worried about what other people thought about them and I don't even consider myself like a people pleaser or someone who cares a lot about what other people think but it just was so different. And so, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It just was so against the grain that we kind Mm -hmm. of felt that whole concept, concept of like, who am I like, who are we to be taking a trip like this or to be kind of chasing our dreams in this way? So I'm grateful. I'm grateful. We, we did it.
0: Well, I'm grateful that you came on and shared this whole story with us. So really quickly, can you name the cities that you guys have been to and then tell us where you're going next?
1: Yes, I'd love to. So we mentioned um, a month in Montana, a month in Seattle, not quite a month in Portland, a month in Los Angeles, a month in San Diego, where we got to see you, which was so fun. Yes. Um, Two weeks in Phoenix. Oh, and we did do a week kind of um, exploring Disneyland. That was really fun. Um, and then we we spent a couple months in Utah to kind of re <laughs> reset a little bit. We were in the Salt Lake area for a month, and then we did Park City for a month. And then we went to Europe for basically the entire summer. We left mm-hmm. the f- second week of June, and we just got back um, the last week of September. So when we were there, we spent a month in Rome, a month in Bologna, Italy. We did a lot of travels kind of between those two main locations and then we did a month in England Cody served a mission for a church in Manchester so we did 2 weeks all over like northern England and Wales we spent 2 weeks in London and then we spent a week in Paris and we've been home for the last couple weeks and it honestly has been home uh home <laughs> we don't technically have a home we i've been at our parents house mm-hmm. um they've been so generous to let us stay here off and on throughout this whole journey and mom and dad have just been so 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 open and loving to us and i think having a baby helps
0: <laughs> yeah I mean, having yeah. cute little georgie
1: yeah but um they've been so supportive and tomorrow we head out we're going to texas for 2 weeks We're going to be in um, Austin. We'll go up to Dallas where Cody's from for a little bit, but we'll be in Austin. We're going to spend all of November in Portland. We're going back. We loved Portland so much.
0: Cool. I didn't know that. That That's exciting.
1: And we're ending our trip kind of like Montana, not a food destination. We're actually just going to spend a few weeks in St. George in December. Oh, how fun. Yeah. Cody, that's awesome. Yeah. Cody loves to golf and we we definitely are kind of winding down. We're feeling the need to kind of change our pace, even though it has been amazing. We're we're feeling like we really want to be in one place. And then um, we are hoping at the beginning of next year to kind of settle somewhere. So that's, that's the that's awesome. plan.
0: I love it. So where can people follow along and keep watching all of your traveling and then see all of the yummy places that you eat and try to eat where you eat too.
1: Yeah. Um the best place to find me is either on my website at femalefoodie.com and that's where you can find all of the restaurant guides. And then on Instagram is the best social platform, just female foodie.
0: And on YouTube too, right?
1: And on YouTube. We're still we're still growing and learning there, but I'm having a ton of fun with YouTube, Female Foodie.
0: That's awesome. Okay. We will link to all of those places in the show notes. And thanks again, Brookie, for coming on and sharing this story with us. It's inspiring and really fun to learn from you and learn from your experiences.
1: Thank you. Thanks so much, Corinne, for having me on. I appreciate it.
0: Thanks so much for hanging out with my sister, Brooke, and me today. I wanted to end this by reading you guys a review that I just got that I really appreciated. It was by Ambi King, and she says, Mondays are the best. Listening to Mint Arrow messages is a great way to start your week. I truly look forward to Monday mornings knowing there will be a new podcast to listen to. It really motivates me to get up early and go walking. The struggle is real. The podcast is always uplifting and inspiring and has introduced me to so many great individuals that I now follow on Instagram and just adore. Thank you. Thank you so much, Abby King. And if you guys have just a second, I would love it so much if you could leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts it's really helpful for us to be able to reach a bigger audience and keep doing what we're doing here. So thanks again for your support and we'll see you next week. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow and to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast, and you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox and we'll email you every time there's a new episode.